Salve and salutations. My name is Charles Chestnut. This is Storied History. And this story is about a professional wrestler named Sputnik Monroe. He was a man that broke down some racial barriers, actually forcing integration in Memphis, Tennessee in the 1950s. I do love this story. Professional wrestling is a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine, and frequently the best stories are the ones that happen behind the scenes, behind the curtain. And this is definitely one of those. So in order to understand this story, you basically have to understand a few things. Number one, in old school wrestling, there is always a good guy and a bad guy. The good guy is called the face, or the baby face, and the bad guy is called the heel. It is the good guy's job to win, and it's the bad guy's job to make people hate them so that you'll buy a seat to see the babyface beat up the heel. For 100 years after the Civil War in the southern United States, there were laws in place that segregated people of color, black people, and white people. Memphis was certainly no exception. In the 1950s, everything was segregated in Memphis. Every restaurant, every bar, every bus, every sporting event, every movie theater, everything. There was, by law, almost no social mixing of the races until Sputnik Monroe. So Sputnik Monroe's real name was Roscoe Monroe Brumbar, uh, but I'm just going to call him Sputnik Monroe. He was a white man. He was big for the time, not huge, but big. He stood about five foot nine, weighed about 215, 220 pounds, solid muscles, barrel chested, that sort of thing. Definitely not on the level of the gargantuan giants you see today. But a big guy, tough guy. He also had a tuft of pure white hair in the front of his head, just above his forehead. He grew up in Dodge City, Kansas. He was a very low-level wrestling performer, basically going traveling carnivals, that sort of thing. He chose the name Sputnik because he wanted to draw heat. Now, heat in the wrestling world means angry crowds. It's people that want to see you get beat up because you're the bad guy. You're the heel. So in order to draw heat, he named himself Sputnik, after the Russian space probe named Sputnik, which caused a lot of fear as it orbited the planet doing nothing but flashing a light and beeping in space. It didn't actually do anything uh, except inspire fear in America. So he named himself Sputnik to try and get some heat. If you can draw heat, you draw more crowds. If you draw more crowds, you make more money. So that was his goal, and he became Sputnik Monroe. The next big player in the story is a guy named Roy Welch. He was the promoter, the guy that actually owned Memphis Wrestling, and owned, more importantly for this story, he did not just own the company, he owned the auditorium where they were actually wrestling. He was not renting this space, he owned it himself. Sputnik Monroe moves from the carnivals into Memphis, the new promoter trying to put some money behind his new business. He does some radio ads, advertisements, that sort of thing. His next step is to try and drum up business. And so Sputnik Monroe starts trash-talking all of the Memphis fans. He's the bad guy. He's the heel. He's got to draw heat. So he starts insulting the people of Memphis. Now I'm going to do just a little quote here. I cannot do it as well as he did, but I'm going to give it a shot. Memphis is filled with nothing more than a bunch of ignorant pukes. You are all moonshine-swilling hillbillies. You can't read or write a lick. I am 235 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. 
with a body that women love and men fear. You, Memphis, will respect me, or you will learn to shut your mouths. You ignorant, inbred hillbillies. Oh, he's pretty good at that. Better than I am, I'm sure. And it worked. People really started to hate this guy. At least some of them. The white fans hated him. The black fans didn't. They thought he was hysterically funny. They loved this white wrestler insulting the white fans. So instead of being the bad guy for everyone, he becomes a hero to the black fans. Sputnik Monroe did not intend to become an activist fighting for equality. In the beginning, he was simply trying to get heat and drum up business. But when he became the focal point of these issues, he did not back away from it. He embraced it. He embraced his new role and his new fans. They loved his insults and his style, and he loved them back. He started dressing very flamboyantly. He moved his apartment down to Beale Street, which was definitely a 100% black area with all the best clubs and bars and blues and jazz and everything. He starts going to these places, going to the black restaurants, black cafes. Now, again, all of this is illegal. He's not supposed to be doing this, but he does. He gets a black tailor to make him suits. He occasionally was even seen with a black woman on his arm. His popularity went through the roof, which created a real problem. Because Memphis was still under the Jim Crow laws. Everything was officially segregated. Now he's got this huge fan base that wants to come and wrestle, but they can't get in the building. Most of them. There were seats for the black patrons, for the black wrestling fans. They were literally called the buzzard seats. Buzzards being basically another word for vultures that circled dead bodies high, high up in the air. And that's where the black wrestling fans were required by law to sit. And they would come. Every single show, they would come. And they would sell out those horrible buzzard seats. But the thing is, there were a lot more fans than there were buzzard seats. And they weren't just selling out. There were lines of people and fights at those doors trying to get in. And when you did get in, you could look down from the buzzard seats and see from those crow's nests and you would see empty seats in the white areas. Because while the wrestling promotion was now doing a lot better than it was before, there were still plenty of seats available, but only for the white fans. Now this is really before TV wrestling became a thing, where there was a lot of money to be made that way. Back then, the only way you were making money is by putting an ass every 18 inches. You've got to sell out those seats. Sell the popcorn, sell the peanuts, sell the refreshments. That's what you're trying to do. And he was doing it very well with the black community. So Sputnik Monroe starts talking about this in his interviews. He starts talking about it with his newspapers. He starts pressuring the owner. He wants his fans to be able to come and see him. Now this is another direct quote. My Negro friends are being turned away from Ellis Auditorium, even when there are open seats in the white section. And this is how it's going to be. If the blacks aren't allowed in that building, I'm not going to wrestle here in Memphis anymore. If they're not there, I'm not there. Those are very bold words, and he's essentially throwing down the gauntlet. He was warned by the racists and the KKK and the white supremacists that he was going to be killed for saying these things, and he ignored them. 
Because what are they going to do to him? He spent all of his time in the black community. He went to the restaurants, the bars. He was with black women. He was protected by that community. They loved him. And no one, and no one was going to go into his neighborhood wearing KKK robes and try to jump Sputnik Monroe. There's no question about it. He was targeted by the white supremacists. Not in the white KKK hoods, but in their blue uniforms. He was harassed by the police many, many times. He was arrested many times on ridiculous charges. Vagrancy, which is basically homeless panhandling. Loitering, which means hanging around and not doing anything. Mopery, which also means hanging around and not doing anything, but doing it with bad reasons on your mind. He was actually arrested for loitering while walking from the auditorium to his car after a wrestling match. So he had a lot of court appearances, and he needed a lawyer, and he got one, a good one. And true to form, he hired the best black lawyer in the city to defend him, Russell B. Sugarman Jr. Sputnik Monroe was also the first white man in Memphis history to be represented by a black lawyer. Almost all of the charges were overthrown, just toffed out of court and dismissed, but not all of them. Some of those judges were racist too, and they would hit him with fines. He would pay them immediately, and then go down to the bars, announce what the fine was, and then spend that amount of money buying drinks for his fans. So he keeps doing this, and finally he convinces Welch, the promoter, to integrate Ellis Auditorium. They made the announcement that they were going to open up all the seats to everyone. First time in Memphis history that a sporting event was integrated. There was plenty of outcry and predictions that this would end in riots and violence. The very first show sold out every single seat. And despite people worrying about massive fights of the KKK terrorizing the event, nothing happened. It was a good, somewhat rowdy wrestling crowd, but there was no violence outside the ring. And there was no problems. At the next show, they sold out again, and again, and again, and again. All through the summer of 1959, every single show sold out. Spudig was named the most hated man in Memphis by one of the local newspapers. And so he starts feuding with a sheriff's deputy named Billy Wicks. This is part of the show. They're both wrestlers. But Billy Wicks was a real sheriff's deputy, and he hated Sputnik. These were rough fights. There were black eyes, bruises, cuts, bad hits. They would gouge each other. Wrestling may be prearranged, but sometimes, and especially back then, those fights can actually get pretty painful, and these guys legitimately did not like one another. There were a lot of real punches and real hits being thrown in those matches. They set themselves up for a massive showdown, which culminated in renting out a baseball stadium. 14,000 people bought tickets to watch the fight, and another 4,000 showed up without tickets when the actual seats sold out. They knocked down the outfield fence, rushed the field, so they could see the match. They had a special guest referee, the boxer Rocky Marciano, came to lay down the law just in case anything went bad. And it did go bad. The fight was a bloody one. Sputnik Monroe and Billy Wicks beat the hell out of each other for almost an hour. Bleeding, bruised, 
torn ligaments. It was ugly. Finally, the finish came. This was not going to be a clean victory. We don't actually know why the decision was made. It's possible that neither one of them would allow themselves to be beaten by the other because they really did hate each other. So the match wasn't going to end like that. Monroe unleashes a flurry of punches, knocks Billy Wicks back. Billy tries to get up. He knocks him down, tries to get up again, knocks him down. He's in the ropes now. He's pushing him into the ropes, and the Billy Wicks ends up wrapping his arms in the ropes, and now he can't defend himself, and Monroe still starts hitting him. Rocky Marciano jumps in and says he's got to let him go. Monroe won't do it. He shoves Rocky away and goes back to hitting Billy Hicks. Marciano comes back. This time, Sputnik hits him, decks him right in the face. Rocky jumps up, grabs him, pulls him up off Billy, punches him in the face, knocks him out. The crowd goes nuts. Billy won by disqualification, and Sputnik Monroe is lying down, knocked out, in the middle of the ring. It's a hell of an ending. Now, Sputnik Monroe may have made a lot of white fans angry, but not all of them. He had the shock of white hair, the kind of trademark above his forehead, bone white. And you can actually look back at some of the old yearbooks from that time period, 1959, 1960. And there are kids, both black and white, that have dyed a little bit of their hair in the front, pure white. Years later, there was a Memphis sports broadcaster by the name of Johnny Dark. Johnny Dark was walking down Beale Street with Sputnik Monroe, reliving the old glory day. And as he's walking through the crowds, which are not nearly as big as they used to be, this was 20 years after his heyday, but there were still a few people that recognized him. And one old woman, an old black woman, came up to him. She said, I know you. You're the man. They used to make all of us sit in those damn buzzard seats until you made them change it. And you stopped them. And they never did it again. He gave her a big hug. A bear hug. And Johnny Dark said, that was the only time that anyone ever saw Sputnik Monroe actually cry. Sputnik Monroe died in 2006 at the age of 77. But today, if you go into the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum, there in a place of honor, are three exhibits, three cases honoring three of Memphis's greatest sons and heroes. B.B. King, Elvis Presley, and Sputnik Monroe. This is Charles Chestnut with Storied History. If you'd like to see pictures of Sputnik, my website is storiedhistory, S-T-O-R-I-E-D, history.com. I will link a YouTube video of him wrestling on that page and some books for further reading, of course. I've also got a Twitch channel, which is distinctly less formal, but no less fun, I think. That is one of my favorite old little stories, and definitely one of my favorite wrestling stories. There will be others. I will go and find them for you. Hit the subscribe button, 
and I'll get them to you.